The Island Digest is a sampling of the stories in this week's Journal of the San Juans, Islands Sounder, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. The November 29th edition is brought to you by Orca Center. I'm Caleb Summers. Headlines from the week of November 29th, 2023. New co-op bakery to open in East Sound. Letters. Congratulations to Orcus Soccer. Volunteers undertake massive acorn planting project. Surprise volcano discovery off the shores of Lopez Island. Plus excerpts from the sheriff's log. First, from the island's sounder, new co-op bakery to open in East Sound by Colleen Smith-Summers. Inspired by the belief that bread should be the foundation of every community, a team of enthusiastic islanders is opening a co-op bakery in East Sound. The effort is being facilitated by Orcus couple Pai and Daryl Duke, co-owners of Mesha and Monty, and the fire hall building on Prune Alley that houses the two restaurants. We find places we like and we start volunteering and lending our business knowledge. If it's good food, we want to help make sure it's here for all of us, Daryl laughed. Orcus Bakery has just received its co-op designation from the state, launched a fundraising campaign, and is slated to open in the spring of 2024 in the space that has been Tidepool Coffee House and Salish Sea Yarn Company. Owners Katie and David Gable will still maintain a retail yarn shop, but are turning over the majority of the building for the new bakery. Several months ago, local bakers Shauna Hannon and Michael Murphy met with Daryl, Pye, and Georgette Wong to discuss bringing more locally sourced bread and pastries to the Orcas community. The words that kept coming up were community and sustainability. This inspired them to pursue the bakery as a co-op model, which means the entity is not owned by one person but by its members. We're not building this for us. We're building this for the community so it will endure, Daryl said. During renovations for Monty and Mesha in the old Roses building, the 100-loaf, four-deck bread oven, massive mixer, and vintage bread slicer were moved into storage. Those items will soon settle into their new home on the corner of North Beach Road and work hard to produce Orcas Bakery's long-term goal of 500 loaves per day. The space will have two head bakers, Hannon and Murphy, along with a rotating register of locals who are passionate about feeding their community. We have so many bakers who want to be a part of it, Daryl said. The co-op will provide wholesale bread to school programs, grocery stores, the food bank and restaurants, as well as offer a retail spot for patrons to purchase a variety of baked goods and coffee. Founding member shares are $599 and include lifetime membership plus one loaf of bread per week for a year. It's an opportunity for islanders to help launch the bakery and provide a base operating budget for the first year to ensure success. Orcas Bakery is aiming for 1,000 founding member shares in the coming months. To sign up or donate, go to www.orcasbakery.com. Once the fundraising goal is met, lifetime memberships will be available without prepaid bread for $99. All memberships give patrons 20% off any item purchased in the bakery. 
Orcas Bakery is committed to using wild yeast and flavor-yielding microorganisms and ingredients from the San Juan Islands, Skagit Valley, and the Pacific Northwest. Our passion is food that celebrates our local growers, respects our bakers and staff, and sustains our community, Daryl said. From Letters to the Editor, Congratulations to Orcas Soccer. The Orcas Island soccer team played three skilled, determined, and focused matches in the state's small school state championship tournament. Their second-place finish was well won. Congratulations to the team and coaches. Well done. All of the drills and skill development put in by all the coaches and each of the state team members over the past few years has paid off. First and second place finishes in state over the past three years is unequaled by any other team. Terry Turner has been the community coach for the school soccer teams for the past 35 or 40 years, a rather remarkable record of service to our youngsters, the school, and our community. Thanks, Terry. Mike and Sharon Douglas, Orcas Island. From the Journal of the San Juan Islands, Volunteers Undertake Massive Acorn Planting Project by Isabel Ashley On the morning of November 16th, nine volunteers met with Doug McCutcheon, Land Bank Preserve Steward, at the end of Lawson Road, a long, winding gravel path near Mount Grant Preserve. Among these volunteers were career foresters, Ph.D. holders and educators, land trust board members, and more. Despite their varied backgrounds, they were all united and eager to accomplish the same mission, to plant acorns from Gary Oaks, the only oak tree native to Washington. Habitat restoration and planting of Gary Oak, or Quercus gariana, on the islands is nothing new. According to McCutcheon, the land bank has done Gary Oak restoration on Katy Mountain for the last 20 years. However, thanks to a U.S. Forest Service landscape-scale restoration grant that was secured by the Department of Natural Resources in 2021, Gary Oak Habitat Restoration has expanded to cover 45 acres across four sites presided by local, state, and nonprofit organizations. The Land Bank is just one of the organizations involved, working alongside the Department of Natural Resources, the Island Conservation Corps, Rain Shadow Consulting, and the Samish Indian Nation Department of Natural Resources to reduce catastrophic fire risk and propagate biodiverse understory plants and wildlife habitat. The Acorn Planting Project is supplemental and complementary to the grant-funded program, ultimately working towards the same goal, the removal of indigenous land management practices like burning, weeding, and planting, which intentionally promoted Gary Oak habitats, has diminished the overall population of these trees. Oaks are much happier in open land. They can't compete with Douglas fir trees, explained Patrick Kirby, one of the volunteers who participated in acorn planting. And so, as the native burning has stopped and the grazing has stopped, all of the island has grown up as Douglas fir trees, and you have these thick forests that could be a forest fire if it got going. The increased risk of forest fires is one of the many challenges brought upon by climate change. According to McCutcheon, forested areas in the San Juans are expected to contract. 
Extended dry periods and warmer temperatures will increase stress among trees and understory species, and as they lose vigor and become more susceptible to pathogens, these forests will increase the amount of dead fuel for catastrophic wildfires. Oaks, however, have evolved to thrive in warmer and drier climates, offering an opportunity for a more resilient and climate-adapted landscape in coming weather patterns. Additionally, the cultural importance of Gary oaks and associated understory plants in these ecosystems as a food and medicinal crop for Coast Salish people on the island creates a social responsibility to protect them. Climate change is happening much more rapidly than systems can adapt, so the idea for this project was really to get acorns planted and increase the distribution of oaks across the island. We want to create these pockets of resiliency that can help move us forward socially, culturally, and ecologically into a warming climate, said McCutcheon. Another benefit of Gary Oak habitats is increased biodiversity. McCutcheon estimates that the associated habitats can support hundreds of different invertebrates, numerous species of fungi, and more than 100 bird species. Gary oaks can also grow in a variety of conditions, from a crack in a rock to wetlands. However, oak trees take a long time to grow. It takes several years to establish roots and another 20 to 50 years before it can produce acorns, meaning acorns planted today will finally be bearing acorns after 2050. This is why there is a large push to plant the trees now. Besides the urgency to initiate tree growth currently, there is another reason why this supplemental acorn planting project is taking place. Trees produced a hyperabundance of acorns this year through the entire range of Gary Oaks, starting from Northern California up to British Columbia. This abundance is called a mast event, referring to the mast or meaty tree fruits like acorns and tree nuts, and it occurs every few years. However, McCutcheon learned from Kevin Brown, a Vancouver Island researcher who tracks acorn abundance, that this year's mast event is by far one of the most abundant in recent decades. The next closest on record was in 2004. Volunteers took advantage of this opportunity and gathered acorns from a variety of public and private property, including from the oldest known living Gary Oak tree in the world, estimated 500 years old, located on Katy Mountain. My initial goal was to collect and distribute around 600 acorns, but thanks to the leadership of volunteer Jane Wentworth, this amazing community collected about 8,000 acorns that are getting planted, said McCutcheon. Because the acorns germinate quickly, there is a short window for planting. Volunteers began collecting and planting the acorns in early October and will have to finish by mid-December. The Lawson Road property is just one of 20 sites, although most volunteers have planted acorns on land bank preserves as it offers continuity of management in the long term. Others have planted on private property as well, and they keep track of the locations and number of acorns planted via a shared spreadsheet. So far, they have planted acorns at the Beaverton Marsh Preserve, Katy Mountain, False Bay Creek, and Zilstra Lake Preserve, with an estimated 3,000 planted acorns. 
The volunteers who gathered on Lawson Road began the morning with a brief introduction from McCutcheon on the locations where they would be working before grabbing their bins of acorns and fluorescent flags and heading out to their first spot. The places they were targeting were typically large open areas that were south-facing for maximum sunlight. The volunteers began planting the acorns in clusters of five acorns per labeled flag, with the goal of planting as many acorns as possible without overwhelming the area. The goal is to plant 100 acorns and hope that five survive, said Elliot Birch, volunteer, as he explained the planting strategy to new helpers. A few minutes later, he mentioned that they should still be thoughtful when planting. When you plant a seed, you need to give it good intention, that you really want it to grow, because it could really make a difference, said Birch. Sharon Massey, volunteer, is a retired Spring Street school teacher who used to take her students to different areas on the island to do similar projects. She remarked how thankful she was for the opportunity to engage in restoration work again. To see these cool areas on the island, it just makes you want to be a land steward, said Massey. That was my whole premise with taking students outside. Take them outside and get them to love where they live, because if you love where you live, you're gonna take care of it. After dropping one of her acorns into a small hole she made, Massey covered and patted the soil down as she gave a final boost of encouragement to the seed inside. Grow strong, little acorn. From the Islands Weekly Surprise Volcano Discovery Off the Shores of Lopez Island Move over, Baker, Rainier, and St. Helens. Lopez has its own volcano. Dr. H. Gary Green, a marine geologist and part-time Orcas resident, confirmed the discovery on November 7th following his examination of deep-water seafloor surveys published by a Canadian scientist in 2018. We looked at bathymetric imagery. That's a technical term for seafloor mapping five years ago, and spotted this feature south of Lopez in 40 meters of water. Its proximity to the known position of the Devil's Mountain Fault led me to investigate. When Green learned that Bob Pakunsky, a research scientist with the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, would be out on the water in early November, Green hitched a ride. Pakunsky uses a camera-equipped underwater drone, called a Remotely Operated Vehicle, or ROV, to scan the seafloor for evidence of sand lance and rockfish. Pakunsky's ROV is also equipped with claws that can grab samples off the bottom. They used these to retrieve rock samples which proved to be vesicular basalt and olivine basalt, both of which differ from the surrounding glacial substrate. With that, Green knew a volcano had been found. Joe Gatos, science director for the Sea Doc Society, was thrilled with the discovery. For students, this is the best. A local phenomenon makes science and geology come alive. Gatos conducts a wide range of studies on marine life and underwater habitats. According to Green, the twin cones of what will soon be known as the Devil's Mountain Volcano were present when the last Ice Age glaciers retreated from the area about 10,000 years ago. The smooth shape of the cones, which rise 30 to 40 meters above the surrounding seafloor, indicates scouring by the ice. 
Green explains that the Devil's Mountain volcano is on the upper plate of the Cascadia abduction zone, a downgoing slab attached to the Pacific plate. As the slab goes down, it heats up and melts. This melt can vent, which we know as a volcanic eruption. Baker, Rainier, St. Helens, and the other familiar volcanic peaks in the western states were all generated by this tectonic system. The next step will be to age the basalt samples, he said. Since the cones were present when the ice retreated, the volcano could be five or ten million years old. We do not know, nor do we have any idea when or if it could erupt again. Fish biologist Pakunsky had his own research to celebrate the discovery. Part of his work is focused on recovery of yellow-eye rockfish, which are listed as threatened under endangered species laws. A feature like this creates ideal fish habitat, said Pakunsky. The combination of a rising structure and strong currents pushes food up and helps the larval stages get distributed to where they need to go. He plans further work next year along some of the fault lines south of Lopez. Pakunsky sees the Devil's Mountain discovery as enhancing the Wildlife Department's ability to map and potentially protect critical habitat for the threatened rockfish. Lopezian Micah Krauschar, who works with the local school system, was happy to learn the volcano had been asleep for millions of years. It's cool that we have our own volcano, she said, mentally suppressing visions of lava creeping through Hawaiian neighborhoods. I especially like the part about it being really quiet. And now, after that seismic story, a brief summary of excerpts from the San Juan County Sheriff's log. On November 15th, a deputy on San Juan responded to a report of an unoccupied aluminum skiff adrift in the San Juan Channel and brought it back to the port of Friday Harbor. If you are missing your skiff, please contact the sheriff's office to identify it. On November 16th, a San Juan deputy observed someone stealing from a local grocery store. However, the individual had entered their vehicle and drove away before the deputy could contact them. Ultimately, the person was arrested for third-degree theft and driving with a suspended license, third degree. On November 19th, a deputy was dispatched to a domestic incident in Friday Harbor, the deputy arrived and contacted the parent and a child, arguing about chores. Both agreed to give each other space. Deputies responded to a Friday Harbor residence about a report of a trespassing male. It was determined he was not trespassing. A deputy was contacted by a Lopezian who reported their dogs had gotten loose. And this concludes the November 29th edition of the Island Digest. This edition is brought to you by Orcas Center. Orcas Center is your place for fun and intrigue this fall with live concerts, performances, art openings, and more. Get your tickets for the Nutcracker now. To check out upcoming events and purchase tickets, visit orcascenter.org. Thank you for listening to the Island Digest a small sampling of what's in your local print newspapers this week. The journals, Sounder, and Weekly rely upon advertising, subscriptions, and donations to support our mission of high-quality community journalism. To contribute, 
visit our websites or email publisher Colleen Smith Summers at csmith at soundpublishing.com. Thanks again for tuning in this week, and come back next time for more local news from San Juan County, Washington. I'm Caleb Summers.